Welcome to the Unstoppable E-Commerce Podcast, your place to learn how to run a profitable six-figure e-commerce business that gives you the financial freedom to live the life of your dreams. I'm your host, Karen Parkinson, an e-commerce marketing mentor, Facebook ad specialist, speaker, and mum based in Hobart, Tasmania. With over 11 years experience in the industry, experience coaching hundreds of e-commerce business owners through my signature program, Ecom Igniter, and up to the minute insights from my Facebook ad agency, Unstoppable E-Commerce. I'm here to educate and empower you to create your own unstoppable e-commerce business. Click subscribe so you don't miss an episode and let's jump in. Bridget Esselmont is an intuitive business strategist, entrepreneur, mentor, and published author. As the founder of Biddy Tarot, she turned her love for tarot into an abundant seven-figure business that employs 15 people and serves over 15 million tarot lovers each year. Bridget has been featured in the Oprah magazine, Huffington Post, Body and Soul, Mind Body Green, and many more, as well as appearing on numerous podcasts. She's appeared on stages in front of live audiences across the US and Australia. I'm absolutely thrilled to have her joining us today to chat about her 24-year journey so far with Biddy Tarot and how you can use your intuition in business. Please welcome Bridget. Before we begin today, I'd like to acknowledge the Palawa people of Lutruwira as the first people and custodians here through all of time. The warm, loving feeling of home is felt here and it's a testament to the nurturing and care you've provided this country for thousands of years. I pay respect to the elders and acknowledge them as the wisdom holders and the teachers of the Palawa community. So Bridget, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. And it's great to see your beautiful, colourful background as well. (laughs) Thank you. You're all very on brand and you're purple and the crystals and I can see the tarot decks (laughs) in the back there. I have my very first tarot deck from when I met you at the Noosa conference with Tash Corbin and got mine and the books and everything. So it was brand new world to me, but something that you've been a part of for a very long time. Yeah, I'm glad you've got the cards. I've been in this space of tarot since like, oh gosh, I've got my first deck in 1997. Wow. And it was a gift from my mum because I had this tarot reading and the lady told me I'd fall in love and I did. I fell in love and I thought, I'm sure she just tells everyone the same (laughs) thing. But I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go try out these tarot cards. And I started learning them. And then at the same time, I thought, oh, maybe I'll just try and set up a website. I was a little bit bored. I needed something to keep my brain active. And I just started this website in 1999, no, like way back in the... Not when it was like just super easy either. (laughs) I know. Like I literally, I didn't even use Dreamweaver. (laughs) So... And for those of you who are like, what on earth is Dreamweaver? It was like, super, yes. super hard, Dreamweaver. <laughs> I remember being it like, was. no, this is crazy hard. And that would, yeah, that was kind of your software for like setting up a website. But no, I actually learned how to hand like code, code HTML. Oh. I'd do it in Notepad. I would then upload it and see if it looked okay. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. So needless to say, my website was not as attractive as the websites are like these days. But what it did do is it just got me up online and I started just to post everything that I was learning about tarot 
onto this website and purely just because it was something fun to do. I had no like concept I was going to start a business or quit my corporate job or whatever. It was just this like fun thing on the side. Like posting to a Facebook wall because Facebook didn't exist yet. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, jump forward about 10 years from there, 2009, I read the book for our work week from Tim Ferriss. Ah, yes. Tim Ferriss. Yeah. (laughs) In that I discovered like, oh, wow, I could actually start to monetize like what I really like about tarot. So I put together this little ebook. I sold it for $10 and I used to like literally get the PayPal notification Uh-oh. and then I'd write back and I'd attach the file oh, wow. of the ebook <laughs> to the email and send it off again. And later I found eJunkie because that was yes. a thing back in those days. That would have been like a whole new world automating that process. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. And I think that was what was so magical around that time was this stuff was actually quite new for most people who are like online and doing e-commerce. And I think the industry was really rapidly changing at that point because more and more automations were coming into play. You know, even like the websites, just having WordPress coming into play and being able to actually not need to be a web programmer to have a website, like all of this stuff really shifted. You really take it for granted now how easy it is to set up an online store or a website, like how easy it is to put up a product and take money from someone and just deliver that. Like, it's incredible how far we've come. Yeah, so much. So yes, because I remember really needing to understand like web code to be able to put up a PayPal button, for example, and, you know, trying to toggle with all of the things. And yeah, you've like given me so many memories of like hand coding PayPal buttons. (laughs) Was it nightmare back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. So we're definitely very blessed and lucky these days that, you know, you can get a website running in, you know, literally probably five, 10 minutes. But yeah, so like at that point, it was just starting to come online and I was thinking, oh, maybe I could like make some income out of this. Yeah. I was still working in corporate, but I started to feel a little bit worn down by corporate. And by that point, I had decided like, okay, I really just don't want to be working in this kind of traditional model. Yep. And my online business had actually started to increase in its income. I'd done some basic SEO on the website. So I was ranking top in Google for all the tarot card meanings. A lot less competition too, I suppose, back then. Yes. And, you know, yeah, like we've still stayed in those positions over the last, you know, 10 plus years. I think a lot of that is about, you know, page age and domain age and so on. And also... Yeah, you've got the authority in that space. Yes. And then, you know, good quality content that's in there. And yeah, so I had ads on the site that started to grow some of the income. And then I finally realized, yeah, I can leave. I can, you know, 2012, I finally left my corporate job Amazing. and stepped into this space. 2013, I had my first hire. We now have about 16 people on our team. We offer online tarot courses, certification. We've got books, tarot decks, membership, you name it. We support people in their businesses. Like it's the whole nine yards. Amazing. I love how it's gone from, you know, a $10 ebook to everything, (laughs) which is fantastic. (laughs) Take me through what was that first hire? What did they do? Yeah. So interestingly enough, it was a woman named Kim who is still working with me, um, you know, 10 years later. And so I just, uh, well, it's probably, I was inspired by Tim Ferriss and, you know, we share also the contact with Chris Ducker who was very much into the like virtual assistant mode at that time. 
And I thought, all right, well, I'll try out this virtual assistant thing. I'll just get someone for five hours a week and just see what I could get them to do. And so Kim just started uploading blog posts and she would upload newsletters, just basic things that I knew. These were simple things that I didn't need to do. And that's actually been just this repetitive process over the last 10 years as I've grown the team is to always be looking at like, yes, sure, I could do this. I could upload a newsletter or I could even create a marketing strategy, but this is probably something that someone else can do. doesn't have to be you. Yeah. And what that has helped me do over the last 10 years is to really narrow down on like, what's my zone of genius? Where do I add the most unique value that nobody else could add? And that way I can really focus all of my energy into that kind of magic and that value as well. I do my own podcast, obviously. And I do my own (laughs) blog writing and I do anything that's content. So as far as like dealing with my students, I'm the one that takes the calls and all that sort of stuff. But anything that doesn't have to be me, I'm always like, okay, how can I systemize this or outsource it? Or I think that's the biggest thing in business because otherwise that growth becomes very hard because there's only so many hours in the day and we've got families and we're doing all the things and you can't just continue to grow and continue to do everything yourself. So yeah, Yeah, I'm always trying to figure out what has to be me. And I, you know, other people could do my blogs, but I choose to anything that's going out as content that's by me or by the company. I like to actually be me, not chat GDP yes. at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously there's AI now, there's websites, there's Shopify. What has been sort of the biggest change that you've seen in terms of marketing and sort of what's your favorite tool now, as opposed to when you sort of started, you know, you've relied a lot on SEO to get your you know visitors to your website. What do you use now? So our organic traffic is still our biggest like traffic source. Yep. We have close to 15 million visitors a year Amazing. and to our website. So everyone just heard that and we're all drooling. Like <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah, so that's an absolute blessing. And it definitely, you know, fuels our business. We also have the, our email list. So we have about 300,000 subscribers wow. on our email list. And that's definitely like where a lot of the, the juice and the energy is. Yeah. And, you know, social media is kind of interesting because like if we are to look back, say in the last 10 years, what has really shifted and changed, social media is definitely something that we didn't really have like 10 years ago. But for us, I find like we definitely have a presence on social media, but it's not a huge source of traffic, I suppose, to our programs and so on. So where a lot of people, yeah, are relying on that. Do you use any paid advertising like Facebook ads or anything like that? Yes, I think we're in a love-hate relationship with <laughs> Paige and <traffic>. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've used it for over the years. Right now, though, we're actually in a pause, yep. like a temporary pause. You know, we still have like, we'll have, say, Facebook ad managers look at our um, stats and go, wow, you're so lucky, like your cost per lead is so low. But we're still really struggling to see the full ROI yep. on like Facebook ads once you also factor in agency costs and so on. Sure, yeah. So it's a tricky one. And I also kind of feel like there's actually a little bit of magic around it. So you can see your stats that tell you, you know, a dollar spent on yep. Facebook ads equals, you know, dollar fifty, whatever. But I think there's actually still some extra like X factor that happens just with you being everywhere that you won't necessarily see a direct uh, relationship yeah. between the the ad spend and, and the dollars. And since all the iOS changes, none of that's accurate anymore, which is very unfortunate for people like me trying to show the return on investment, but it's never yeah. encapsulating everything. But I guess when you're getting yeah. 15 million people organically, it's not your biggest problem. <laughs> you know, you don't really need all of that paid traffic. 
Yeah, I suppose it's like how could we, looking at ways that we could actually scale and so paid traffic does offer that option yeah. that you can scale it, whereas you don't have a lot of control over how many people are coming into the website. But yeah, I don't know. We haven't really cracked the code yet with the paid traffic we'll and, talk. and what that looks like. <laughs> <We'll talk. laughs> so you've grown from that first initial VA to 15 now. What does your team look like these days? Yeah, so I have a COO, Kayleen, who runs the business and we really do play out that sort of visionary integrator role. So I'm really more focused on like content and just holding the whole energy of the company. And then Kayleen's in there day in, day out with the team, getting stuff done, mapping out strategies. It's an absolute godsend. Oh, sounds amazing. <laughs> you like, see me you go, <laughs> someone like that. Wow, that sounds so good. Someone to manage the people. <laughs> yeah. And to come up with the strategies too, you know, like we were talking about delegating. Yeah. For a very long time, it was me creating the marketing strategies, yep. but now I have a great team. I have a marketing team that can do that work and they do a really great job at it because they can focus on that. When you're kind of the CEO of the business and you're trying to do everything, it's hard to be really great at something. Yes. You've got to be great at, like good at everything. So true. But then you can start to hire people who are actually really great at this one thing. And that is also, I think, what fuels the growth. But just coming back to team, yeah, so we have quite a strong team in the marketing side. We have three on our help desk. We have our products and operations side and web development and graphics, who happens to be my husband. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's a really lovely virtual team. So we're also located like in the US, Canada, New Zealand, here, all over. Amazing. I love, that's what I love about the online world is you really don't have to be in the same location. Like people in Tasmania hardly know that I exist <laughs> because yeah. all of my clients and students, most of them, I do have a few Tassie students, I should say, but most of them are sort of, well, mainly in Australia and then around the world. And you just don't have to stick to a local area anymore, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a blessing. So you now are actually teaching some marketing Using intuition and strategy is your superpower is what I read. Can you tell me what that is, what that's all about? Yeah. So I have been, I'm, I'm an intuitive person. I've been that way pretty much since I was young. And in fact, even I remember when I was like 14 years old, I would wake up at 4am in the morning and I'd light this candle and I'd do this candle gazing to try and improve my psychic abilities. Wow. And at 14. <laughs> Yeah. And so it, it's weird because I'd say my my parents are not really, they're not religious, they're not spiritual. They're just, I guess, atheist in some way. Yep. So I don't know where it came from. I'm sure it's like past life stuff. But anyway, I had this like attraction to learn more about spirituality from a very young age and also to improve and develop my own intuition. So intuition has always been something that's in my whole being. And I think, you know, while I really enjoyed my whole corporate career. It just, it didn't have the spaciousness for yeah. intuition to really play a role. And I think that's why, you know, stepping into BD Tower has just been a blessing because there is that freedom and flexibility to now lead and run a company in a way that feels more aligned. And if we sort of fast forward to now, like with the way that we blend intuition into the, in our working is so strong. So like, yes, we can look at data and numbers, but we're also really feeling into what is the energy around this particular opportunity that we might be considering. 
when we we might do some like deep journeying and meditation to then envision like what is coming up what are some of the obstacles how can we remove those obstacles how can we create that clear path to growth I can see how that wouldn't really work in the big four banks you know (laughs) how about we do this guys and let's just meditate on the idea yeah Yeah, nah (laughs) that's it so like I think that's that's always the advantage of like having your own business as well as you can run it however you feel called. We're really strong on like our female leadership as well. So we're, we're really channeling that divine feminine energy through um, Bidi Taru. And so I'd, like I'm really interested in how can we integrate intuition with business and entrepreneurship because I do think there's place for both. There's place for the feminine and also for the masculine. And when we can combine both, so that feminine being like more of the intuition, the feeling things through being in flow, the masculine being like more structures, planning, scheduling, and so on, those two together, I think that's where the magic really is. So I love just to talk in that space of, yeah, what does intuitive entrepreneurship really look and feel like? So if somebody's looking to bring more of that intuition, like we all have intuition, some of us fine tune it a bit more than others. And I know like I quite often get really strong intuition and it's whenever I ignore that, the problems arise and I go, oh, really should listen to that. So if somebody's thinking I want to be more intuitive in my business, how can they even start that process? Yeah. So something I've been really tapping into lately is the concept of being then doing. So oftentimes when we think of like running our business, we're super busy, you know, yeah. like we're getting into that burnout phase of like, oh my gosh, I've got to do all the things. My, I've got a hundred things on my to-do list. And so we're in this doing mode. Yeah. And then but what happens though, when you're just constantly doing, there's no space just to stop and think or ponder or contemplate or even just feel, right? Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, you know, you go for a walk or you go in the shower and suddenly these are your best ideas. Shower <laughs> is my idea place for sure. Yep. Yep. And so if we shift our focus away from just doing, you know, 80% is just doing. And instead we start to think about how am I being? Who am I? How can I be more calm? How can I be more connected, more aligned and so on? When we operate from that place, then we have all this like extra spaciousness to really tap into our intuition. Because often like intuition's ever present. It's always there. But when we're so busy doing, we don't get to actually hear or see or feel what our intuition is trying to tell us. But it's those too much noise going on. Yeah, that's it. And whereas like if you go sit down at the beach or at a lake or somewhere really beautiful and you don't take your phone, (laughs) you don't need to take photos for Instagram either. (laughs) And you just tune in. And that is actually where your intuition starts speaking to you. And the thing is like, it can be a bit boring at the beginning because you're like, oh, well, I didn't get this giant download, you know, psychic insight that I was expecting this time because you're actually just training your brain to just be quiet and give you space. But over time, then all the intuitive insights start to come into it. I must say that's definitely something that I have not done in a really, really long time is, well, A, been away from my phone. It sounds blissful, (laughs) but just stopped, like just stop doing everything else. I'm that person with over a hundred things on my to-do list and always trying to push through the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And I have all these ideas for big picture stuff that I want to happen, but it's always pushed beyond, you know, the what has to happen right now. So I can see how that would be really stopping any like intuition coming through because I don't give it any space to happen. So I love that idea. And it like, here's what happens. Like if you're so busy doing, you only stay at the same level, Mm. right? 
because you're just you're operating from one state and you're just doing that state. But if you can create more space to drop in and be still and so on, that to me is where the growth and the evolution starts to happen because you can start to think, oh, well, you think outside of what you're just doing. You're thinking outside of the box and you start looking at like the big picture. Maybe I could actually grow this part of the business or I could do more of that, less of that. And we get a little bit more perspective when we can just yeah. drop in. Whereas doing, like there's zero space for that because you're just, you're just churning it out. Yeah. I think this is also like why I love tarot so much is because tarot kind of fits both boxes. You're doing a reading, <laughs> you're pulling the card. So you're like, you know, your brain is going, yep, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm actively doing something. Yep. But you're also dropping in. So like a really simple practice, say with tarot is just pulling a tarot card in the morning before you start work. Just take, you know, five, 10 minutes, a few deep breaths, tuning into your body, just noticing any sensations, um, what your feelings are and so on. And then just shuffling and pulling a card. You don't even need to know anything about tarot. You can look it up on biddytarot.com yes. <laughs> or look it up in the book. I've like, got your little cheat sheet book. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. Yeah. Like it just, it's simple. And then just use that to reflect back. Okay. You know, like if you do draw a card, the full, you know, this full might be about new beginnings, new opportunities. And then you go, okay, well, what are some new beginnings and opportunities that are available to me now? Kind of just gets you thinking and leads that process, hey? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a nice way to tune in. You know, tarot is something I've known about, but I've never really done in the past. My family, also atheists and not really that spiritual, but my grandmother, my mum's mum, was actually psychic. So we've kind of got that through the, and, you know, my mum a little bit as well, but never really tapped into it as much. And I think I was kind of a little bit scared of that side of things. So always had really, really strong intuition. And Deja Vu would think that I've always kind of like, oh, I'll put that at arm's length. But I remember with the tarot reading, I was like, oh, no, what if I read it wrong or get it wrong or do it wrong? And reading some of your info, it was like you were worried about that in the beginning. And when you just kind of went, well, it's whatever it means to me and whatever I absorb that as. And what, and I thought, oh, there's no real way to get it wrong because like you say, it might just spark an idea or something that you really were thinking about anyway, but you're kind of giving yourself permission for it to mean whatever it means to you and that's okay. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the tricky thing with tarot. It can feel really overwhelming because there's 78 tarot cards. Every card has like a whole lot of meanings to go with it. There's a lot of symbolism, all the symbols mean things and so on, which is really lovely if you love to go deep and sort of dive in with the tarot cards, but it can also then be kind of overwhelming. You think, oh, yeah. gosh, how am I going to learn all of this stuff, right? But the beautiful thing is it can also be used as this reflective tool. I, like I talk about it like as a mirror to the soul. And it's really this picture, this imagery, these symbols that are just reflecting back to you how you're feeling or thinking in a present moment. So let me just grab, like, I'll just, let's just play with this. I'm just grabbing a card from my deck. So let's just say. You had it live <laughs> here, folks. <laughs> live tarot reading. So like the emperor, for example. So in this card, we see like this sort of old, like king-like authority figure sitting in this stone throne. And it's typically about, you know, discipline, commitment, taking action and so on. And what you might do is just sort of look at that card and just, you know, start to notice. And you know, Karen, I'll invite you, like, what's something that catches your attention? Well, he's holding something. Is that a sword or a 
Probably not because it's holding the bottom. <laughs> that would be a bit dangerous. Yeah. What would it feel like if you're in that position of like, what does that holding something feel like to you? What does that sort of reflect back to you yeah, about? This kind of looks like he's quite authoritative to me. He's also kind of like obviously in charge sitting on the throne there. So a little bit in control, yeah. I would say. Interesting. And you see like how even you're just getting this from a picture, right? So you're starting to tap into that energy of like being in control and being authoritative. What I'd invite you to look at is like, well, how does this type of energy play out in your life right now? Are you feeling like you're in charge and in control no. or is that something that you desire, right? <laughs> and so even if like, if you pulled this as your daily tarot card, you could use it to go, okay, well, where would I like to be a little bit more in control? Where could I bring more authority? What is my relationship with authority? Is it something I'm shying away from? Oh, why is that? You know, like yeah. you could go on these little trails of, self-inquiry just based off of an image in the card yeah even the picture yeah really powerful I love that and then you can really take it to where you might like you naturally would go to where you personally need to maybe delve into more yeah that's it because oftentimes you know we're just going through life and we're not really thinking because we're so busy doing yeah and we don't have that time and space to drop in but when something's being reflected to you okay what's what's my relationship with authority you're like, oh, actually, yeah, I think I have been holding this resentment against authority and so I haven't really been showing up with authority in my business yep. because I think it's a bad thing. Oh, okay, well, why don't I deep dive into that? And then maybe you release yourself of a block that might have been holding you back from growing in your business. Yeah, amazing. I'm going to go grab my deck after this. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a big problem these days is that we're constantly on, like, information's at our fingertips and I'm really guilty of this like my husband and I'll have a conversation and if there's something I don't know I'll just pick up my phone and grab the answer like I just constantly need to be picking and I'm like he'll go just put it away and I'm so <laughs> addicted and he's the same though you know and we'll have a you know a little stab at each other and he's like put your phone down I'm like you just put yours down <laughs> like come on but then you know we go from the computer to the phone to the tv like we're constantly on we're constantly connected you know, we're either working or family, you know, I've got a toddler and then it's when's that downtime and I'm really guilty of being, you know, watching the TV and being on my phone right until the moment that I go to bed. And so I like that it just invites you into that sort of downtime as well, even if it's five, ten minutes in the day of not being on something that's a screen as well. Yeah. Well, there you go. Now you can, before you start your work day, yes. <laughs> pull a card. And they've been in my office for so long, in my sitting in my beautiful cabinet, and they're not helping anyone there. So <laughs> I'm off to change that. Good. Oh, so I have one more question because when I was going through all of your bios, there's some pretty impressive stuff in there. And you've been noticed in a lot of places. You've been in Oprah magazine. You've been on a bunch of podcasts. You've been in different publications. How did you get yourself and your brand out there so much? Yeah, it's interesting because we haven't really done like a giant PR thing. I'll get PR emails from other people like nearly every day yeah. <laughs> and we have not done that. And to be honest, I think it's just about putting really good quality content and products out there. So Oprah Magazine featured our Everyday Tarot Deck as one of their top tarot decks that they recommended, which Amazing. was really cool. I've had, you know, journalists reach out a little while ago. It was a journalist from the Mind Bodies. Oh, is it Mind Mind and Body? Mind Body Soul. Oh yes, that one. Yes. The Australia is an Australian publication. And she just reached out. She's like, I want, just want to hear more about like how tarot is becoming more modern. And so 
I think, yeah, for us, it's just about putting out good vibes. We haven't really taken that extra step of seeking out. Your content really has set you up, as you say, as an authority in that space. So those opportunities Mm. have kind of come to you. Yeah. But, you know, we probably could do even more. Maybe you can even one day just get on Oprah TV. I don't, <laughs> if the producers yeah, are Oprah, listening. if you're listening to the Unstoppable E-Commerce podcast, <laughs> I think that's a good goal yes. you could put it out there, right? <laughs> that's it. Okay. I know I do have another question for you because blogging. Now, a blog these days with e-commerce, I generally tell people not to worry about it. You know, in some circumstances, yes, you know, and for SEO and things like that. For a specifically physical product-based business, is blogging dead or do you still use it? So we have slowed down on our blog, like content. I used to blog a lot, pretty much like every week. And I think we probably have maybe three, 400 blog posts on the site. Plus we have all of the web pages for the tarot card meetings. Our traffic comes mostly through those tarot card meeting pages rather than the blog. That said, where the blog is, does serve a really good purpose is when we are connecting with people through email, we can use, like we can send them to a blog post as like a value add or a way to kind of nurture and just share more of our content. Or maybe for us, it's like, here's a tarot spread that we really love, or here's seven, you know, daily rituals you can add to your tarot practice, things like that. So it serves a way in creating content rather than necessarily attracting new traffic. The other thing too is at like now what I'm investing my time and energy in is more video. So like having YouTube videos as like the primary thing I I create for YouTube. And what's great is I I like to script everything. So I'm like, I want it to be very succinct and on point. (laughs) And the neat thing about that is out of that, is now a script, which can be a blog. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I do think that blogging for blogging's sake, you know, maybe not the thing anymore. So it's more repurposing content into a blog than writing it as a blog to start with. And for those that don't use scripts, you can also use software like Descript, which will transcribe your videos for you. So are you using similar content then on social media, like taking snippets from those YouTube videos, or is it purely like an educational YouTube channel? Yeah. What I decided to do was rather than take like a little snippet, like a 30-second soundbite from a full, you know, five, 10-minute YouTube video, which may not then have much context, I decided I will write the script and then I write another three or four reels. And so I make them specifically for reels, but I'm using that content that I've already created for YouTube, but I've made it specific to reels because otherwise for me it is a bit like it's a bit random when it's just a slice out of a video. Without the context and everything, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So video is more part of the strategy these days, which is definitely going with the times. And that would have been something completely foreign when you first started your HTML websites back in the day. (laughs) Um, It's amazing to see how your business has just continued to evolve and, you know, get with all these new things that are coming out and everything like that. How many times over all these years for people that are in business right now, right now is a hard time. How have you kept going for so long? Have there been any times where you thought, I'm just going to throw it all in? Yes, there have. <laughs> I'm glad you asked because, you know, you can see like from the the front, it's like, oh, that looks an, like an amazing business. Oh, everyone's so happy, yeah. la, la, la. But I think we all as like entrepreneurs go through the ups and downs. It's inevitable. For me, I think that time was around like 2021. Coming off the back of the pandemic, the pandemic was a really 
like solid sales time for us because people were doing online courses and so on. And so that created a lot of growth. I ended up though with a team of 30 people and then I realized that was not fun at all. But equally, when the pandemic sales just started to taper off, I realized like, oh, okay, no, we've been through a period of you know, very fast growth, unique growth. Yes. I was like, I don't think this is continuing in that same trend. Yeah, (laughs) I think like hindsight for all of us, if we'd known what the pandemic was going to do for e-commerce, because the first initial reaction was panic. Right. And then Mm. it was like, actually, this is amazing for e-commerce because people are shopping online. And if we'd known, I think a lot of us would have spent a lot more on Facebook ads and we would have scaled things a lot harder during that period if we'd known that it was going to taper off. Yes. No crystal ball to kind of know when that was going to end. And looking back in hindsight, there were so many opportunities missed and it was fantastic for a lot of businesses, but I find also there's a lot of them struggling now that that downturn's gone back the other way. Yeah. So we had to, well, I had to make that difficult decision to downsize our team. Yep. And that was a really pivotal moment for me. As a business owner, I felt all the feelings yes. that go with that. But we managed to like move through that with grace. Uh, and I really appreciate like my team members who also really graceful throughout it. But I think what kind of came out of the back of it too is I just actually felt so burnt out. Yeah. I was so heavily involved in the business. I was still very much in the day to day, you know, hand in probably like everything. And I would wake up in the mornings just going like, oh, it's another work day, which is like, oh God, this is bad. If I'm feeling like this is not good. No, And especially, you know, that was so far into your business as well. You know, when you talked about the fact that you had team and you'd outsourced a lot, I'd made the assumption that you meant you'd done that many, many, many years ago, not recently, you know, in the last couple of years. It's the tricky thing with growth, right? So growth starts to create complexity and so does team. I think there's a sweet spot. Feel like 15 is our sweet spot. Yep. Because anything to above that starts to create more complexity and more process. Then you've got to have processes to manage people. We even had an HR manager for a time being. Wow. Like It was a bit, little bit intense. But I think from that time, what I realized was, yeah, I've actually got to let go of like more. I yeah. just kept pushing myself to go, okay, what else can I let go of? Where can I also trust more and surrender and just let it be? And I think I finally found that place now where really like... So good. My team just does things that I don't even know that we're doing. Like, oh, we're launching. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. (laughs) So it's it's great. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing so much with me today. It's been so interesting to learn, especially from someone, you know, that I've seen you over the years pop up in, you know, got some circles together and to know that you were like, I'd completely forgotten about my coding days, building websites and coding <laughs> in the background color. And it's just kind of like so easy now compared to what it was mm. like to set up online. And there's so many opportunities for people. What would you say to anyone who's thinking maybe of starting an online business or are they in those early stages of their business? Yeah, I think uh, for me, it really comes down to resilience and seeing this as a personal growth journey. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because anyone can start a business and, you know, you've just talked about like the barrier to entry is just dropping so much. So it's just so easy to start, but not anyone, not everyone will like finish like a business or create a really successful business in the long term. But I think, yeah, so much of that comes down to how are you going to show up as a business owner? 
How are you going to make sure that you're protecting not just your time, but your energy? How do you make sure that you can show up every day and feel connected, aligned, passionate, enthusiastic, you know, clear, all of these things? And so much of that is about like self-care and using tarot cards and <laughs> all of the, like staying in touch with the intuition. Because yeah. without that, like just it almost feels like you're a, like just a ship kind of lost in the sea. Yeah. And it's really about having the anchoring back to like, what is your real purpose? And I feel like that's also because we are quite often when we're working online, we've got no staff, even if we've got staff around us and we kind of have that loneliness and it is easier to get lost at sea, I think, you know, when you are in that space on your own. So sometimes we need a bit of that anchoring, I guess, and realigning. Yeah. But it's like, if you want to grow as a person, I think starting a business is a great way of doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Great way to find out. (laughs) So true. So true. So if somebody's listening to this and thinking, I really love that approach and I really want to tap into more of this and maybe get some help, where can they find you? Yeah. So for all of our tarot stuff, you can head over to biddytarot.com. And I also offer more like intuitive business coaching, which blends both that intuitive um, intuition and the strategy. And you can find me there at bridget.me. So it's B-R-I-G-I-T.me. We'll link it all up in the show notes for everyone as well so they can find you. (laughs) Thanks again so much for sharing your story with us. It's really inspiring to see how far you've come and how long you've kept with it and all of those you know, different adaptions around the years. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. And thanks for like doing all the work that you're doing as well. I think the more that we have, the more kind of inspiring entrepreneurs, supporting other entrepreneurs, like that's, that's a really great, great place to be. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Thank <laughs> you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable E-Commerce Podcast. You can find all the show notes and links that I mentioned on my website at unstoppableecom.com forward slash podcast. If you're ready to take action and grow your e-commerce store into a profitable six-figure plus business, join me inside Ecom Club. Ecom Club is the community for women in e-commerce looking to learn, connect, and grow. You get full access to my signature training program, Ecom Igniter, as well as next-level support inside our private support group with weekly live calls, monthly guest experts, and quarterly planning workshops. Find all the details now at unstoppableecom.com forward slash club. See you on the inside.